Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Guide to Existence. Let's get started with an amazing installment. Today we're going to talk about the Parsha, Parsha's Pinchas, named after my son, Pinchas David, uh, who was born not on this Parsha. <laughs> um, what are we going to learn about the Parsha? So the Parsha, there's a lot going on in the Parsha, and we also want to talk a little bit about the three weeks. The three weeks is a time of mourning, a time of mourning for the destruction of the temple, and it is literally happening right now. We're in the three weeks. It's a time of mourning, and we observe certain prohibitions because of the mourning. At this time, for the next um, two weeks, we don't listen to music. Actually, really for the next week. Until next Friday, we don't listen to music, we don't do haircuts, and it gets even more intense next Friday when we stop washing our clothes and we stop showering in in hot water for pleasure. You can still shower for uh, cleanliness, but to keep it on the cooler side and not to spend as much time in there. Um, some people, I'm not going to tell you who, some people don't use soap for that whole nine days, but... You won't want to stand next to them, and uh, but you could point them out in a crowd. So, um, so what what's this all about? We're we're observing the the destruction of the temple. We're really preparing ourselves for Tisha B'av, which is coming in just about three less than three weeks. And um, and I want to talk a little bit about the foundation of what Tisha B'av is all about. So now. Um, this week's Parsha. Pinchas. Pinchas, who is a zealot. Pinchas is, stands up and he does an act of vengeance. In last week's Parsha, Bilam, the sorcerer, prophet, attempted to curse the Jewish people. And he failed. His curses were constantly transformed into blessings. And he couldn't get his curses in. And in this week's part, so at the end of the Parsha, welcome, welcome. How are you, Yana? Where are you, where are you tuning in from? Nice. Okay. So, so last week's Parsha. Where are we? Okay. So the Bilam sees that he cannot win by cursing the Jewish people. So instead, he sends. The daughters, he sends uh, promiscuous women, daughters of Moab, to tempt the Jewish people to engage in illicit relationships. And he said the God of the Jews hates immorality. And immediately after the Jews start engaging in all these wild, um, illicit relationships and the worship of idols, a plague breaks out. And Pinchas 
sees what's going on. He realizes what's happening, and he grabs a spear, and he goes and he barbecues with his spear the leader of one of the Jewish tribes that is engaged in this relationship publicly with one of the Moabite princesses. And immediately everyone wakes up, and the plague stops. So it sounds like on one hand, he did an act of zealotry. He he cared about the Jewish people. And on the other hand, he did kind of a barbaric act. In Judaism, we don't really believe in taking the law into your own hands, right? Normally, we have a court. And even in the court, the court tries very hard not to engage in capital punishment. The Talmud says they would go to great lengths to never execute anyone. So you need witnesses. They have to warn the guy twice not to do it. So it's it sounds pretty barbaric and not so Jewish. Uh, and yet Pinchas is rewarded with this incredible blessing. He becomes a Kohen. A Kohen is a priest, and he was not previously a Kohen, even though he was descended from Aaron, but he was not uh, one of the those that became a Kohen. And he was given, the Torah says, a bris shalom, an eternal covenant of peace. And the question is, why? Right? You grab a spear and you publicly barbecue a Jew who's engaged in an immoral act. You become a Kohen, a priest, and you get a blessing of peace. What's going on? Okay? So, I'll share with you one quick idea, Kabbalistically, and then we'll try to expound upon it. Okay? And bring it down to earth and talk a little bit about relationships. So, what was Bilaam's talent? The Talmud tells us. The way Bilaam cursed was he had a power called eye and hara, evil eye. Evil eye is you know how to tap into someone's negativity and you look at them a certain way with negativity or jealousy and you're actually able to harm them with the power of your eyes. Your eyes have energy. Your eyes actually can give over life and love and connection or they can hurt by looking at someone with judgmentalness, jealousy or anger. And the Talmud says that there's one moment a day when God gets angry. The Talmud says for a split second of every day, there's a moment of anger that comes into the world. And Bilaam knew how to grab onto that moment of anger and ex and basically tap into this power. And he, would, he was able to blow people up and to create incredible destruction, spiritual destruction in that moment. So the question is, why is there anger every day? Why does God get angry every day? And additionally, how did Bilaam know if so he so that his power was with this anger? Why was he unsuccessful at cursing? So, so the Talmud explains that that day God didn't get angry. The day that Bilaam was trying to curse the Jewish people, there was no anger in the world. And therefore Bilaam wasn't able to curse. So how then did he know to attack the Jews? with immorality, with sexual immorality? How do you know that that was the area that he was going to be successful to get us? So we have to understand why there's a moment of anger every day. So anger in Kabbalah is the opposite of love. What is love? Love, which direction is love? Which direction does love go? It goes away from yourself towards the other. Love is about focusing on another outside of your own ego and your own closed, narrow perspective to begin to acknowledge that there are others in the world and that others' needs matter if the same, if not more than your own. So anger is the opposite of that. Anger is constriction. 
It's going within yourself. So there's a necessity to have a little bit of anger every day. Why? So the Talmud explains, uh, the commentaries explain that the positive mitzvahs in the Torah, right, the root of them, let's think about it for a second, okay? In every relationship, you have positive and negatives, right? The positives in a relationship are the things you do for the other person. You buy your spouse flowers. You take out the garbage. You do the dishes. You say, I love you. Those are all positive things that you do for the person that you love, the people that you love. What are the negative mitzvahs in a relationship? Those are the things you don't do for the person that you love. What does that mean? You don't curse at them. You don't cheat on them. You don't throw your dirty laundry on the floor. Okay, so every relationship has do's and do nots. You guys with me? The commentaries explain that the root of the do's is love. When you love someone, you do for them. What's the root of the of the of the do nots? That's called fear. Or another word for that is respect. When you respect someone, you don't do the things they don't like. Do you guys get it? You guys with me? So love gets you to do positive things for the person you love. And respect gets you to not do the things that they don't love. And that's the source of positive mitzvahs versus negative commandments. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. Which is more important in a relationship? The do's or the do, do nots? Uh, excellent answer. Both. We need both in a relationship. And in some ways, we don't know this. A lot of people don't realize this, that you need to have boundaries. If you want to have a healthy relationship, you have to also know how to say no, how to hold back, how to not invade the person's personal space, the person's privacy, right? how to respect the person. But if you think about it, which is a greater expression of love? When I buy you flowers or when I don't cheat on you? Don't cheat on you. Let's well, don't cheat on you is really big. Okay, let's make it simpler. What's what's a greater expression of love when I buy you flowers or when I turn off the air conditioner because you're hot and I'm not? Yeah. When when you sorry, when you're cold and I'm hot. Right? There's a rule about marriage. Whoever you marry, they're going to have the opposite taste in temperature than you. You're going to like the window open in the winter, and they're going to like the heat on in the summer. That's just the way it goes. Okay, so which is a greater expression of love? When I buy my spouse flowers or when I turn off the air conditioner because they're cold? What do you think? What do you think? When you turn off the air conditioner. 
well, when I buy you flowers, I'm thinking about you also. But the answer is, I believe you're right, is that when I turn off the air conditioner, I'm showing that this is now there's a conflict between my will and your will. You see, the flowers, I might not care about flowers, so I'm buying them for you. I don't really care about flowers. But buying you flowers isn't hurting me in any way, maybe financially. But when I turn off the air conditioner, I'm going against my will for your will. I'm showing a greater degree of love, which is very interesting. No, buying is not materialistic because the other person might, it shows that you love them. To them, that's meaningful. For them, that's an expression of love, right? So the reality is, is that if I don't buy you flowers or I don't take out the trash, I don't destroy the relationship, right? Positives build the relationship. But when I don't do a negative, I destroy the relationship. Right when I cheat, or when I uh, throw my garbage on the floor, or when I wake you up at night, those are things that destroy relationships. So the respect, the fear, is the foundation of a relationship. Without the fear, there is no relationship. Relationship begins when I recognize you as another. You see, before I met you, the only person that mattered in my world was me. In order for me to have a relationship with you, I have to first recognize that you are not me. Once I recognize that you are not me, now I began, can begin to become one with you. But the first step in the process is to be two. And that's called fear. That's called disconnection. Because if we're not disconnected, we can never reconnect. So what is primary, love or fear? So we just said that it's really the love that's the foundation for the relationship and the love does the most, the, the fear is the foundation of the relationship, right? Without fear, there, there is no relationship. You can't perpetuate a relationship without respecting the other. And we said that when I go against what you don't like, I destroy the relationship. So then what would you say if I have a conundrum and God says, thou shalt not um, thou shalt not one second, I'm thinking for lack of a better expression i'm just going to come up with a metaphor i'm just going to come up with the one that the talmud gives thou shalt not wear garments that are made of a combination of wool and linen okay that's what it says in the torah that's one of the ones we don't really understand without kabbalah thou shalt not wear combination of wool and linen garments and then the torah says thou shalt wear tzitzis you should wear fringes on the corner of your garments so let me ask you a question. What if my tzitzis are made out of wool and my garments made out of linen? Am I allowed to do the positive at the expense of the negative? What would you say? Which one trumps? When, I'm given, when I have an ethical dilemma between a positive mitzvah and a negative mitzvah, which one wins? What? Yeah. 
Yeah, but are you, when you have a when you have a contradiction between two values, which one wins, the positive or the negative? So based on what we just said, you would think it's the negative, right? Because we just said negative is a foundation relationship and negative, right? Is, so the answer is is that that according to the Torah, the positive wins. The positive always wins. That if you have um, if you have uh, a positive mitzvah to um, honor your mother and your father, and a negative mitzvah that you cannot you can't do both at the same time. The negative mitzvah says. Um, the truth is, honor your mother and father doesn't count because the, the Torah sp- explicitly says that you have to honor your mother and father in, w- except for the exception of breaking the commandments, right? If your parents tell you to break the commands, you don't have to listen. So, because um, they're also commanded in the commandments. So, um, again, I'm, I, I, I have to speak to someone about other better examples. But the Torah says you have to, this is another classic example from the Talmud, and I'm sorry, again, I can't come up with a better example the Torah says you have to circumcise your son. And there are certain um, leprosy conditions called saras that the Torah says you are not allowed to cut off. So what if the baby, your son, is eight days old, has a leprosy, a saras, on his bris? Are you allowed to cut it off? So the answer is positive trumps negative. Yes, the positive wins. Why is that? Says the Ramban, the Ramban is a great medieval Kabbalist and commentary on the Torah, says, because love is greater than fear. Love is better than fear. So now I have a major problem because we just said that in relationships, it's really the fear that's more foundational. The the respect is how you start the relationship and the respect breaks the relationship. So how is it? that love is greater than fear. So I think the answer is, is that love, fear creates space, creates potential for relationship, and fear destroys relationship. But what is relationship? Love. Do you understand? Without fear, there is no other. I have, I can't have a relationship with you if you're not separate from me, if I don't respect you and 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 acknowledge you as existing. And if I don't acknowledge you existing, so so much for my love, it's going to fall apart. But the relationship, what's in the middle between you existing and me spitting on you and destroying the relationship is us having an intimate connection. And that's called love. That happens when two become one. When I take that acknowledgement of you existing and then I begin to care about your needs and learn how to fill your needs and learn how to nullify my needs in front of your needs, that is love. Love is, is, is relationship. Fear is the foundation of relationship and it's the glue that keeps relationships going, but love is relationship. So that's, I believe, the answer. Okay, so now the there are 365 negative commandments in the Torah and 248 positive commandments in the Torah. So that means there are 365 negatives for 
every day of the year, there's one negative commandment. So the commentaries explain that the reason God has to get angry every day is because he has to put a little bit of self-control into creation. The whole creation was created out of love. God created the universe in order to have a love relationship with us. What's the foundation of the universe, though? God contracting himself, making space for others. According to Kabbalah, all there was was God, and then God restricted himself. He created room for others. So the foundation of creation is fear, is contraction. Then God puts himself into relationship with us. That's love. And the fear, if we go against the, the negatives in the Torah, so we break that connection. But the relationship is the love. So there are 365 negative commandments that correspond to the one minute of anger that God has every day, the split second of anger. Because the whole creation, God is loving us. Every second of our life, God is sending love into the universe. That's life force. It's love. He's just pouring energy in. That's what love is all about, is giving of yourself to other. But he has to give one split second of fear, of anger, of disconnection, in order that we can tap into the energy of holding ourselves back so that we don't give into the temptation to do the negative things. We all need a little bit of yin in the yang. Our focus in life is love, but we need boundaries. We need self-respect. We need to be able to hold ourselves back to know when to give and when not to give. That's the balance we're looking for. Okay, so, so there are 248 things that we do that are positive and 365 things that we don't do. So when, just save the questions for the end. So when Bilaam realized that he wasn't able to curse the Jewish people, he saw God's not getting angry today. So you know what he did? He realized that there's no anger in the world. So therefore, I'm going to attack the Jews with too much love. What's too much love? Sexual immorality. Without a little bit of the fear, you can't hold yourself back from giving into your temptations. So he instead attacked the Jewish people with sexual immorality. And that's why we fell to that temptation. Because on that day, God didn't get angry. So what did Pinchas do? Pinchas returned the judgment into the world. How? By doing an act of violence. An act of anger, seemingly. Pinchas took a spear. The word for spear is a romach which is the same root of the word rachamim, love, compassion. And it's the numerical value 248. What does that mean? There are 248 positive mitzvahs. Pinchas did an act of seemingly anger, but what was the root of his, his act? It was coming from love. It was coming from love for the Jewish people, love for God that he acted in this way. So because of that, he brought back the anger into the world. He brought back a little bit of judgment, which enables us to overcome what's called an act of gavura. And he returned the anger to the world. He returned that little bit of judgment, of self-control, of contraction that enabled the world, that enables the world to function with self-control. And why did he get the bris of shalom, of peace? Because Pinchas acted in an ultimate unity of doing an act of violence 
but from a source of love. Everything we have to do in Judaism, we always focus on love. Even when we do things that are strict or that are seeming like when you, the, the Talmud says, when, the way that you educate your children or your students is the right hand brings close, the left hand pushes away. What does that mean? You always have to bring close, but you'll, the right symbolizes love. The left symbolizes strength in Kabbalah. So the right hand is always bringing close, the left hand is always pushing away. Also, the left symbolizes the weaker hand. You push away less than you pull close, but you always have to have that balance. You have to have that balance of kindness and strength. And shalom, peace, is when we bring balance to these different elements of male, female, strength, and kindness. And that brings balance to the world. So the Kohanim, the priests, do acts. If, you, if you, I were to ask you, what, is it, what should a priest do every day? What would you tell me? Pray, meditate, fast. What do the Kohanim do every day? Slaughter animals, eat barbecues. Right? What in the world? The answer is that the Kohanim do acts of strength acts of violence and this but the source is love source is love so the temple was destroyed you know this one julia i know temple was destroyed because of for for four different a couple of different reasons brought in the talmud what are the four big reasons that you that you've heard of before yeah faithless hatred idolatry Murder and adultery. The three cardinal sins. The Talmud says the first temple was destroyed because of three cardinal sins. Idolatry, um, adultery, and murder. And the second temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. What do those four things have in common? They're all about disconnection. Improper relationships. Connection gone wrong. Right, when we don't love each other, that's lack of love. When we murder each other, that's a lack of boundaries. Adultery, too much love, lack of boundaries. And idolatry is cheating on God. It's disrespect for our relationship with God. What? Adultery is too much love. It means improper use of love out of balance love not towards your wife and adultery does when we say adultery we could also mean relationships that are out of the bond of marriage it doesn't just mean cheating on someone it means using sexuality not within the bounds of marriage so what we're essentially recognizing during these three weeks is that the reason the temple was destroyed and the reason our relationships aren't looking right is because we don't have the proper balance between loving others and respecting others. We need the balance of the two. And in these three weeks, when we, when we focus on essentially what was lost, what we don't have, we have to recognize that the root of all negativity is actually love. Because everything God does is with the goal of creating relationship. Love is actually the source of everything in creation. God created the world first by constricting himself, but what was before that? With the desire to give. So the source of everything 
in this world is love. So I'm actually, as I'm thinking about this, my mind is really being blown because it's unbelievable that what what the Parsha is teaching us is that every act, everything we do, should the source has to be love. Even the times that we have to discipline our kids, even the times when we have to say no, we could still do it with love and with thoughts of love. Of, and I tell this to my kids all the time. I say, there's only one thing I want for you is that you should have the best possible life. So when I punish you or when I say no, do you know what I why I'm doing it? It's because I love you. And that's the right thing for you, hopefully. <laughs> so we have to know that from Hashem also. That when Hashem punishes us, when we have negative things go on in our life, when we suffer, when we lose the promotion or the job or we get dumped or things don't go right, in our relationships or in our job or our health, we have to know somehow it's coming from a place of love from Hashem. And our job is to look through the judgment, through the anger, to see the love underneath it. At the root of of, of judgment and, and negativity is, is pure compassion. And that's what's happening in these three weeks. The Kabbalists explain that these three weeks are the sweetest weeks of the most incredible love between us and God. We just have to tap into it to peel away the layers that are preventing us from seeing what's really going on at the surface. And Pinchas, the Talmud explains, becomes, because of this whole action, he gets an even bigger blessing. He becomes Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah, the prophet. Pinchas actually becomes transformed. His soul is transformed into the soul of Allah, Eliyahu, and he becomes an eternal spirit who essentially travels throughout time, space and time, uh, helping people, and eventually will be the harbinger for Mashiach. He's going to the he's going to announce the arrival of the Mashiach. May it come speedily and in our days that we can truly see the compassion, God's compassion behind every single moment in our life. Thank you so much for listening.